the free for all roundtable round two on round two deb hutton is here former advisor to two premiers michelle morrow is a music teacher bob richardson is back news talk 1010 contributor and clearly bob in much better health than you were uh, the last time we talked Feeling uh, feeling great, John. Uh, happy to be back. I'm very, very happy. Uh, Bob suffered a, a stroke some time ago, but uh, here we are. And uh, honestly, evidence of how people recover from strokes these days when they get the right treatment. Uh, let's actually start with, um, actually, let's start with Aaron O'Toole. I haven't given this the uh, necessary, the, the coverage that I might have today because there's so many other things. But the former conservative leader did an exit interview on television yesterday and said conservatives have to learn to moderate to win the next election. Let's talk to somebody who's run conservative campaigns and been with conservative causes for a good long time, Deb Hutton. Deb Hutton, I think the last person most conservatives are going to take advice from is a guy who lost an election and quit. Yeah, I mean, that's not really my issue with with uh, Aaron's commentary. I, I just think if you want to be a centrist, then be a liberal. Like, let's not pretend that we need to move where liberals naturally sit. Uh, you know, I, if we I've said many times on, on your show, John, and I believe it in my gut, we need to talk about the issues that are instinctively conservative on the fiscal and economic side. And uh, as uh, to an increasing degree, uh, a conservative solution to some of our environmental problems, because stewardship of the land should be a naturally uh, a natural place for conservatives to live and have solid policies that don't kill the uh, the economy along the way. What we shouldn't be doing is talking about those issues that divide people generally, let alone conservatives, and those are the more the, the more social issues. And so, just leave them by the side and then be real conservatives. We don't have to crowd the center. Okay, but Bob Richardson, people would argue it's a bit like fishing. If you want to win a government, go to where the votes are. And clearly, when you look at the NDP and the Liberals and you combine their votes, the votes are center and center left. Uh, no question about that. 80% of us in this country live in urban areas. So to, to kind of neglect urban areas uh, is a recipe for disaster politically. Uh, and I think you've also got to ref reflect urban values. Uh, I think urban voters are moderate, uh, centrist, and they are probably uh, on social issues a little bit to the left. I don't know how a conservative party uh, gets away with uh, uh, the the issue of climate change. Uh, you know, like you you cannot ignore the issue of climate change on daycare in urban areas. I don't even have kids. It's hugely important to parents. So those are two examples of issues that come up. Uh, uh, they they have to address. Uh, th those are the type of things that Polyev is going to have to uh, deal with and get away from the social conservative uh, agenda that he's on. Michelle Morrow, I know you approach this as a regular voter and also as just sort of an avid student of politics. But what do you make of uh, Aaron O'Toole's advice on his way out the door? I, th I think you're right to say that it's it, people are less likely to take advice, even though it might be correct, from someone who lost multiple elections and was not able to maintain the leadership. That being said, I this is I'm really sad that he lost. Um, this is the leader that I want because I think we do need to prove that you you can be a conservative and believe in vaccines, and you can be a conservative and be against a trucker convoy. You can be a conservative and believe that there are indigenous bodies buried on land in the western part of Canada, like. I wish that we weren't pulling the, that conservative party didn't feel like they really had to pull to the right to prove they were conservative because I am 
I, I think of myself as a conservative, but I don't like where the large, where the party is leaning. And I wish we had someone who could bounce back and forth. Now, this may be my naivete because I'm not in the political circles. I bow to Deb in this respect if she's like, it's not possible, but this is the leader that I wanted. But maybe it's proving to me that it's not possible because he did lose. Uh, Michelle referenced one of the other stories that we're talking about this morning, and that is that uh, some people were caught with shovels trying to dig up graves outside of a former residential school because they were convinced they would not find anything, and then they could say, see, never happened. Bob Richardson, it's macabre, it's outrageous, it also so speaks, I think, to the level of denialism that exists in so many sectors these days where people have no guilt about something as awful as digging up a grave. Yeah, look, that's uh, completely unacceptable. This is a very, very fringe minority. Uh, it should be dealt with and dealt with swiftly by the government uh, so that this sort of activity doesn't occur. At the same time, there was massive international coverage of uh, of a if a, a find of unmarked uh, graves and uh there's been no confirmation of it and that thing fuels the, the those uh, those views that that are held by some others so i think we have to be cautious in what we uh, before we go ahead and say what is a grave and what isn't a grave and that we've got substantial information so Let's let's do our homework properly and let's make sure that we have laws in place not to let let the nuts run wild. Michelle Morrow, they, they may be the nutters who go and try to dig up a grave, but there are some quite legit Canadian columnists, for example, who've written, and American columnists, who've written all kinds of columns saying, you know, the residential schools were, they were okay. Oh, this drives me mental. If you, <laughs> if you want to see... If you don't want to see it for what it is, you're going to try and spin it the best you can. That's a very um, lazy way of saying it, but I'm struggling to find the words without using expletives on the radio. This drives me crazy. These um, We cannot deny what has happened to Indigenous people in our country. And you can you can acknowledge what's happened and still critique other things, but you to say that things happened for a reason and they were good completely negates any pain that people are still feeling. And it also goes back... When people talk about slavery, it's like, oh, well, you know, they had a place to live and some slave owners were benevolent. And it's like, oh, my God, just because like one person was or you have one example doesn't mean the entire thing was like that. You said the all slave owner was like that or like all res all people came out of residential schools. Oh, John, you've got me fired up. I'm going to stop so I don't start yelling. That's OK. <laughs> I like fire. Uh, Deb Hutton, I thought that uh, Sonia Bonspiel Boileau brings great perspective to every topic she tackles. But uh, as an indigenous filmmaker, she was with us for comment on this story. And she was saying this pushback is because people, non-Indigenous people, feel like they're supposed to feel guilty and they don't want to feel guilty, so they have to pretend nothing ever happened. And she said, we don't want you to spend the rest of your lives feeling guilty. Let's just make this better. Yeah, I, I, I tend to be more where Bob is on this one, which is to say this... That yes, there are people who are questioning it and uh, the facts should bear out. But I think what has happened uh, around the graves is simply the fringe and deal with them and move on. Uh, I will say, though, that there are a number of people who do want anyone who's not Indigenous to feel guilty. And I don't think that is constructive for anyone. What we should feel is a desire to actually understand what happened and make sure it never happens again through our education system, um, through, through so much activism without making me feel like I can't say anything on a topic because I'm a white female.
We are one week away from Election Day, and certainly homeless encampments are one of the issues people are still talking about. Michelle Morrow, there's a description of Allen Gardens today uh, in the Toronto Star that might as well come along with the music, the soundtrack from Blade Runner. I mean, it, you can vividly see these <laughs> bonfires and crack pipes and raccoon pets, and it's nuts. Yeah, the raccoon pet got me... <laughs> Took me by surprise, and I'm going to try to be a little bit more succinct. I am very uh, aware that when I get fired up, I lose my I lose my track line. Um, but I think what we need to remember with uh, the encampments here is that no matter what the city can offer, no matter what support they can offer to people, if we allow the encampments to continue, they will people will go back to live in there and they will relapse because the drug use is really prevalent there, um, and they have a. Uh, they have people who are like-minded who perhaps may pull them back into it. People who want to get back on their feet need the support, but if we continue to allow them to live in encampments, they will not be able to pull themselves out. And I think that's one of the reasons why we need to take them down. And Deb Hutton, I know the law now says that you have to have a place to take these people if you want to push them out of an encampment. But at the same time, I think it's fairly clear, even in Rosie DeMano's column today or feature in The Star, that some people don't want to leave the encampments. It's not about whether or not they've been offered shelter. That's how they want to live. Yeah, and we can't allow it, period. So deal with the bulk of people in those encampments immediately and get them some help, whether it's into a shelter, whether it's into supportive housing, whether it's into some mental health. And I realize all of those things are very full, all of those uh, avenues to get people back on their feet. But you cannot allow people to get together and live in many cases, some cases at least, by choice in a public park. And the longer you let it go, the harder it's going to be. And let me just do a, a real partisan plug here and it will be permanent as far as I'm concerned if we elect Olivia Chow a week from today. All right. Um, you know what? I want to hop to a couple of other things because I feel like we're covering some pretty similar territory, although I wanted to highlight Rosie's column today. But Bob Richardson, um, Joe Rogan, had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on. He's a guy who floats and quite routinely and shamelessly completely disproven science about everything from vaccines to COVID and all sorts of other topics. Uh, he still connects vaccine to autism, uh, which is absolutely provably false. And now what's come up is a guy who criticized Robert F. Kennedy. Joe Rogan is telling him, well, you should come on my show and debate him. Uh, my experience, Bob, is do not debate conspiracy theorists because they'll just confuse you with a lot of nonsense and every once in a while they bring out something you hadn't prepared for because they made it up 100 percent accurate do not give joe ken or uh, mr kennedy any oxygen on this issue uh, at all uh it, this is entirely inappropriate uh who cares what joe rogan wants or elon musk or whoever it is uh the answer is no no don't play their game play your own game and that's uh, and that's not uh, and that's not going on the show. Period. Yeah. And Michelle, from years, uh, obviously, I've been chairing debates here, and I, I just I, I I get angry when people try to pretend that nonsense and stuff that was made up and science that's been disproven is just the other side of the story. Why don't you let them talk? Yeah, we're giving oxygen to this fire right here, and I I do believe that in order to fully understand where someone is coming from you need to listen to them but we get to the point especially on podcasts like joe rogan where we don't listen to each other there's an example where he brought up a statistic his um guest de uh, debated it proved brought up scientific episode uh um scientific articles of why it was untrue and joe rogan continued and said well you know i read it so i kind of believe it and i think that's the circle you will get it to 
Deb Hutton, last word. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that can happen is that John F. Kennedy Jr. continues to talk, and people will understand that he does not know what he's talking about. Uh, He's the leading rival to Joe Biden right now. Uh, Thank you all. Good to have you. Uh, It's actually Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and he's polling (laughs) apparently at 20% amongst Democrats, in spite of the fact that what he says is not, you know, the other side of the story. It is provably wrong. It is made-up nonsense. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.